Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Gavin O'Laughlin about attracting foreign direct investment and economic activity in a tight labor market. Gavin O'Laughlin, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Great to be here. Thanks for having me, John. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from Seattle in the Pacific Northwest. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. It's a pleasure to have a chance to chat with you today. You come to us uh, from, you know, working with IDA Ireland. You'll uh, explain more about that here in just a few minutes. Um, but in short, it's an Irish government agency responsible for attracting foreign direct investment into Ireland. And so we're going to be exploring that together, really what attracting foreign direct investment and other types of positive economic activities, what that looks like, generally speaking, but also what does it look like right now amidst the great resignation and a really tight labor market Uh while also more and more organizations have become comfortable with, uh, with virtual work arrangements and having a dispersed workforce uh, that allows you know, uh, the geographical barriers to employment to break down and, and you can hire anyone from anywhere. So what does that look like for the work that you're doing? So these are some of the types of things that we'll be exploring together today. As we get started, I wanted to share Gavin's bio with everybody. Gavin O'Laughlin is VP of the Pacific Northwest for IDA. Ireland. IDA provides a wide range of services to support companies expanding into the European market. O'Loughlin started his career with IDA based in Dublin, working in the pharmaceutical industry before being promoted to a role in the new forms of investment division. More recently, he has been appointed to the Seattle area, an important location for IDA Ireland, where he works with companies such as Microsoft, Amazon, and many others. Again, it's a pleasure to have you. Anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your background before we launch on in? Um, I think that's a really good overview, uh, Jonathan, uh, John, of, of my background. Yeah, I think it might be beneficial just to share a little bit about, about IDA Ireland and you know our mandate and what we're all about, just so maybe listeners can understand my perspective and, and, and my view of the things we're going to discuss. So as you mentioned, IDA is a, is a fully state agency of the Irish government. We've been around in, in some guys for the last 70 years or so, actually. And as you say, our mandate is around attracting and sustaining foreign direct investment into Ireland. So what that means is that companies are looking at Ireland with a view to exporting services rather than competing domestically. And we've about 350 people in, in IDA and we're based, a third of our headcount is based in our headquarters in Dublin. 
a third of our headcount is based in our regional offices all around Ireland, so providing kind of close regional support to our clients. And then a third of our office, or a third of our headcount is based in our overseas offices, of which Seattle is the newest office, still currently based in my spare bedroom, but we hope to have a presence, uh, you know, in, in downtown Seattle this year. Um, our KPIs are based around uh, job creation and attracting research and development to Ireland. We also have a very strong regional focus as well. So, you know, trying to promote as, as wide as possible geographical spread of investment around, around Ireland. Um, we provide a wide array of different services to, to clients, or I say clients, but everything we do is pro bono. Um, and it really depends on the type of company and, and where they are in their investment journey. Um, we also we are responsible or we administer the some of the financial incentives particularly around research and development on behalf of the irish government as well and um, i suppose really for new entrants into the irish market what that really means is that you know we're trying to make we try and make standing up a new entity in ireland as easy as possible um, and you know there's nothing we haven't come across before um, just maybe just a very briefly, just a little bit more detail. You know, we have a very large property uh, team as well, which can help clients find property either on IDA business parks or from the private market. We support with visa and employment permits. Uh, we have a very large PR and comms team, so we can help companies make a bit of a splash when they're entering into the European market. And uh, we help with RFI type requests, and we can arrange meetings with, with, with um, the ecosystem in Ireland. And importantly, we're the long haul, John, as well. So, you know, once a company sets up an operation in Ireland, they're assigned a project manager who works with that company on an ongoing basis to make sure that they're getting the support they need. Uh, and just finally, I say we, we work with about over 1,600 clients now in Ireland. So it's a, it's a really large number for, for a small country. And, you know, in IDA, you know, employment within those companies is at an all-time high. So over a quarter of a million people, which is, you know, over one in 10 people in Ireland works for an IDA uh, client company. So I think it just goes to, to illustrate, I suppose, the, the multinational sector in Ireland and, and the openness of the economy. Yeah, thank you for that background. And it, it really is tremendous, the, the uh, efforts and what has been accomplished with IDA Ireland over the years. Uh, and it's a tremendous place and an opportunity for for businesses around the globe to tap into uh, the European labor market and to really be in a in a entrepreneurial you know uh, friendly environment and a very business friendly environment uh, for you to take off with your European operations uh, so all of that's wonderful and you like you said you provide all the different forms of support to help uh, businesses and leaders as they're trying to get into the market and and uh, spin up their their operations there and that's also tremendous i'm curious so what what has the impact of the pandemic been on the work that you do at ida uh and particularly you know as we're now finding ourselves in the middle of what has been termed the great resignation uh it's a very tight labor market all while uh many workers continue to be distributed or dispersed working remotely uh, what has that meant for your your efforts and and what your team uh, at IDA has been doing just over the last couple of years so I, I would say you know despite COVID you know the need for international teams remains so what we had seen within IDA Ireland that is that in 2020, I think as everyone was kind of grappling with this new world and the pandemic and how it's going to change business, we saw a slight dip, 
you know, in, in investment numbers in 2020, but that has more than rebounded in 2021. So I think what we have seen is that companies maybe held off maybe on making some decisions, you know, as wait to see how things panned out. And then, you know, the, really in 2021, there were, the necessity for uh, operations in Europe remains. So we've seen a big bump. And last year we had 249 projects. Actually, 2021 was extremely strong year and 104 new name investments. So 104 new companies setting up in Ireland for the first time. So that was really positive. Um, I think, um, you know, when you're expanding in, in the remote world, it, it, it is different. But our first thing I would say is take all the help you can get. So work with investment agencies if you are doing that, preferably with, with IDA Ireland. Uh, my personal view is that, you know, in some ways, the, the pandemic has made the world a little bit smaller. So we've all got used to doing virtual meetings and, you know, doing kind of due diligence and re remote meetings to kind of do your, your research into new markets. And I think that has worked quite well. It's not the same. You can't get everything that you can get as, as um, visiting a place or a location in person, but it is a good substitute. And, you know, pre-pandemic, we were bringing companies uh, over to Ireland physically showing them different locations around Ireland, introducing them to the ecosystem, getting it, helping them get an understanding of, of, the, of the operating environment in Ireland. We have successfully transitioned that into the to remote world. So, you know, we are now running those kind of investor meetings and due diligence meetings with other companies and with service providers in Ireland in the remote world. And it's worked quite well. I think where there is, you know, uh, maybe particularly in the pharmaceutical and the med tech sector where companies, um, you know, there's capital, uh, CapEx in, uh, involved, they're making a big substantial investment into property and stuff like that. I think the need to, to physically visit a location remains. Um, but, you know, what we, you know, what we have seen as well is that particularly in my sector, in the tech sector, is that, um, you know, companies are setting up remotely, uh, they're creating their legal entity, and they, they're kind of holding off maybe on, on opening an office so they're recruiting, you know, remotely around the island of Ireland. And that has benefits to it as well, because you're tapping into a wider geographic spread, I suppose, of talent, um, rather than being tied to one specific jurisdiction. Um, I think when, when companies are kind of setting up in, in Ireland or setting up in any jurisdiction, you know, you, you talked about, I suppose, the, the, the great resignation there and a, a tightness around talent. I think that's something that's been, you know, we're seeing across the globe. There is a certain tightness for certain talent and um, particularly in some of the areas of tech so i think when you're when you're going into a new market you know it's important to try and make a bit of a splash get the name out there you know like maybe do sponsor an event um, do an announcement kind of try and build that network to get the name out there that this company so employees maybe look at the company they understand what their ambition is in that market they can see that it's going to be career progression with that market or with that company, um, I think that helps as well. And um, what, what I've also seen with some of the companies as well is that there's there's a refocus on on training as well. So rather than constantly trying to recruit new talent into the business, um, we, we've seen a lot of companies in Ireland that are actually trying to train up some of their current staff to, to build up some of their tech skills. And, and that's, I think, a really important part of the, 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 the puzzle really with we're trying to get this, the talent and that's something that idea can help with as well so we have supports available uh, to help companies upscale and, and train staff check out our new weekly linkedin newsletter alchemizing human capital 
exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, the journey of becoming a truly remarkable leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue, what some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There is no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of your problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. I think as well, you know, maybe some of the companies that we've seen have, you know, or have said like, rather than say, you know, we need our employees to have all of these criteria, they need to hit the mark on all of these things. Maybe there's some flexibility to say, you know, we can take someone that's 80% there and we can train them up the next 20%. And I think companies are becoming more open to that idea um, and be a bit more flexible around it. And, and one thing I would say as well, this is particularly, uh, John, for, for companies who are, setting up in a new market for the first time is get the first hire right you know so you know ideally if you're ideally if you're scaling up in a, in a new market you want to hire someone who has done something like that in the past who has kind of a local network who knows the labor market there and can scale up quite quickly and that person is also responsible for setting the culture in that new organization so that focus on that on that first hire will be important to to help the company scale and you know, what we would see as well sometimes is that um, US companies might try and do some of the recruiting remotely from the US. And, you know, that can have mixed results, I suppose. So, you know, the first hire, the site lead is really important, but then also maybe a, a senior recruiter or to work with a local recruitment firm who knows the labor market, who has the network, who understands the particular nuances of recruiting in that market. They're really important factors as well. Yeah, all, all really, really great points. And I, I'm curious, so you, you talked about kind of early days in the pandemic, seeing a bit of a dip, any dip you saw, you, you've, it's, it's uh, overcome that uh, since, since those early stages. And you just laid out many of the really great things that you can do to support organizations and getting established, at, you know, getting connected with the labor force, as well as the reskilling and upskilling uh, that's going to be necessary uh, for or any organization to be successful moving into the future. Uh, what are some of the biggest challenges that you've faced at IDA uh, in working with client organizations just over the last couple of years? I think, well, I, I think some of the challenges, you know, what well, I mean, c- c- grappling with the COVID pandemic. And, you know, I think that that's been a challenge for IDA and the business that we do. You know, we would always say that kind of attracting FDI is, is a contact sport you know and we're we're all about kind of getting out there and meeting people i think you know transitioning into kind of more of a digital sales and support model as you know ha- has been challenged but we've been successful in that um, and as i say we've kind of transitioned our 
in-person itineraries into kind of the, the remote world and we're running those kind of meetings and that's been quite successful. I suppose some of the things that 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 companies maybe are, are challenged with or as, as they're moving into new markets is, you know, we've seen some companies that, you know, they maybe want to make a bit of a splash, want to enter into a new market and they're into European market and they've hired maybe a couple of people in one jurisdiction and then another jurisdiction. So maybe in France and Germany and Italy, and they've run into challenges where, you know, you're dealing with different employment law, you have different tax obligations and all of those different jurisdictions. And what we would say is make it as easy as possible on yourself when you're setting up there. So we would say choose a location that you can serve the wider European market from one location rather than having that kind of dispersed team. And, um, you know, what, what, what our clients really need for that is, you know, they need the, the multilingual talent. So we often see that companies would set up their operation in Ireland. They, it's an EMEA or EUHQ. So you, you'd see your kind of headquarter kind of functions that go in there, your tech support and your inside sales. And then, you know, what, what the companies need is access to multilingual talent as well in that location so you know Ireland has been quite fortunate in that you know we've been able to attract and retain a lot of international talent from overseas so we're in a position now where 17% of our workforce is born overseas and that's crucial so I would say just try and make it easy as, po as possible as you can and get all the support you need and um, yeah and set it up in one location rather than a dispersed workforce yeah yeah I really like that and it really is an interesting kind of balance, I think, and many organizations really have been uh, embracing this whole idea of a dis distributed, dispersed workforce uh, and just doing the remote thing. What would you say would be the biggest uh, challenge to that kind of a model versus, say, setting up a European headquarters in Ireland like you were just um, describing? So I, I think really for... for I, 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 Okay, so you're going to set up kind of a dispersed workforce around around Europe. I think you know there's a couple of things. So you have your your employment law is different in different European jurisdictions. So you need to be cognizant of that. Now there is companies that can help you out with that the employment of record organizations, but you know it's 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 much easier to set it up in one location. You also have kind of different tax obligations, and I think you need to be cognizant that Europe is a very it's far from a homogenous market as well. And there's different kind of regulations and cultural nuances doing business in different places. So companies need to be cognizant of that when they're entering into the market. I think a challenge that a lot of companies are, are grappling with at the moment is how they onboard staff as well in the remote world and, you know, get those staff engaged in the culture of the organization and retain that staff and, and train them up. And I think that's something we've been we've been all challenged with as well in recent times and um, but you know COVID permitting I think that we're going to see a real inf increase in kind of teams getting together over the next couple of uh, next couple of months as kind of COVID subsides and help with that team building and be building a kind of a cohesive culture with within organizations yeah yeah I love it and again you know the pros and cons to all of these things you've highlighted the um kind of the, the political and legal environment differences across countries. And that really can uh, increase the complexity of your HR functions exponentially very quickly <laughs> uh, when, you, when you have people working in a lot of different locations. And that's not a small factor. I, I think many, many people think it's not that big of a deal, 
it, it really can be. I mean, it, it can be very, very complicated very quickly. And you often don't know what you don't know until all of a sudden you find yourself, um, you know, paying some fine or getting, you know, violating some, some requirement uh, and, and having to deal with it. And I have so many stories I've heard from people who have international um, operations in different places and, and how they've been bitten, um, you know, by the, the, the employment law environment in a particular country. And they really didn't even know what they didn't know until it happened. Right. So, you know, what you're describing, I think is one of the really biggest pros behind, you know, trying to go into European operations and having a bilingual workforce, multicultural workforce, plus all the supports that would be necessary to be, to be able to be successful. Well, Gavin, it has been a real pleasure. Uh, I know at the time, and I'm going to have to let you go here in a few minutes, um, but I did, before we close up, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can connect with you and IDA, uh, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. So you can, anybody can connect with me. I'm on LinkedIn um, here and, and you know, I'd, I'd welcome any, anyone who wants to reach out and get, to, get in touch and have an exploratory conversation and maybe discuss some of the services that IDA can provide. Um, you know, and I, and I would say that, you know, in Ireland, it, things are, you know, Ireland is kind of a recognized tech hub now at the moment. And, you know, we're seeing really, really strong investment numbers over the last couple of years. And it's a, you know, it's a young, highly educated workforce for English speaking, common law tax, uh, common law jurisdiction with a pro business environment. Um, so, you know, we're, we're really open to investment and, uh, you know, we're keen to engage with anyone that's out there. And thank you very much, John, for, for, for the time today. And it's a pleasure to speak with you. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun, uh, very enlightening, and uh, hopefully good food for thought for, uh, for many of my listeners. Thank you so much for joining me. And I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected. If you're interested in exploring, you know, opening up our up operations in Europe, I would encourage you to reach out to Gavin. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years with increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition. The average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine 
with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.